everybody, welcome to The Highlight Show. This is a show within our show where we sit down and talk to people doing really cool stuff. It could be someone starting a restaurant, it could be a youth group, it could be somebody who has just gone through something hard and has a really cool story to tell. We sit down with them, we pick their brains, and we glean what life lessons we can learn from their journey. Give it a listen. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are we're here talking. Well, we're on the highlights. We're talking faith and career, and we're here with Mark. Mark, why don't you give us a little introduction? Who you are, what you do, and then we'll jump into it. Sure. Yeah. My name is Mark Riddle. Uh, I've lived in the Valley my whole life. Uh, my parents moved here right before I was born, and uh, I got three kids. They're all grown now, pretty much. I got my last one is. Uh, going to be a junior at GCU. Oh, wow. Um, so we are really working our way through life here. There you go, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I love it. I've been at my church for 18 years, uh, Desert Springs Community Church in mm-hmm. Goodyear. Love being there. Uh, I get to serve as an elder there. Nice. I just get to do other ministry pieces. So, yeah, it's been an awesome journey yeah. uh, in my faith. In my yeah, Lord. you come come with a good recommendation from Robbie was on the podcast. We interviewed him last year, last highlights of yep. the season. So. Um, yeah. Had a few podcast exchanges with him. And yeah, yeah. Well, he's one of our elders now. So oh, that's is he cool. an elder? Yeah. He's an actual elder. Yeah, we voted oh, him on. That. Okay. We voted him on on July 1st. He started his tenure. Good. Yeah. That's good. I, I, it's a good foundation. I like yeah. that. Solid like dude. That. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into it, man. Uh, where exactly did your faith journey begin? Like, did you grow up yeah. in the church or was it something that you came to? You know, I, I grew up in the church. My parents were churchgoers. They moved here. They started in a church. Um, at four years old, uh, I accepted the Lord. At five, I was baptized. And then I proceeded to live life like normal kids. You know, you mm-hmm. do your thing. You have your decisions you make. Um, but I tell you, I, I don't know that my faith was my own. It was more about my family, mm-hmm. my parents, my church, all that stuff. And I remember in high school, specifically, I, I, don't, I can't tell you the month or the day, but I can tell you I was out with friends, which we did every Sunday night after church. And I realized that I wasn't sure about my salvation. Mm. And I was I was struggling, and I came home and I woke my dad up. It was like probably 11.30 at night. So did you say they started a church? No. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Started I'm, at church. Started, started at, at church. church. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. All yeah, right. and so I woke my dad up, and we uh, went into his office, and I said, hey, Dad, I don't know what to do with this, and this is what I'm struggling with. And he started asking me questions about what I had done in the past, and then he started reaffirming, and then we prayed. And I can tell you from that moment on, it was just kind of like, I'm not afraid anymore. Mm. I don't have the, I don't have the night storms or the I'm not going to get to do this in life anymore. Fear, it mm. just knew. Um, fast forward through college and everything else, I, you know, college was h- tough as far as going to church. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring you back really quick. So, how old were you when you had that? Probably 15. 15. Okay. So yeah, that's in that I. I telling you man like he, I need he's to... been documenting like the the range where the, it seems like almost everyone who we've talked to it's somewhere in that like 15 to 17 range hovering yeah. right around 16 okay 16 sophomore year in high school like there's there's something about that period of time in which you know you start to you're kind of stepping away from your parents a little bit more you can drive you know or you're in high school the pressures that you're getting is more uh, the experience that you're having is more you know because I, I talk to my girls and say, you know, like, I'm trying to help them form their friend group. And right. I'm like, look, your behavior is going to be mirror the five people you spend the most time with. Right. And so I've been thinking about that. Like, two of the people that they spend the most time with is me and my wife. Right. So their behavior 
has a lot of us in them. But like as you get into high school, they are interacting with their friends more than their parents. And so now their behaviors and influences are more external than internal. And so I think there's something in that time that that kind of pushes kids to a point. And like, look, you need to make a decision now. Are you in or are you out? Or delayed, not necessarily out, you know, not an absolute question. But, but, but I think at that time, like, it's their question to answer. Yeah, God asks them that question at that time, and and they got and they have to answer it for it's themselves. It's like a rubber meets the road kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you have to decide that it's going to be yours or what you're going to do with what you understand. Because you, at that point, you you've made decisions, but some of those have been made um, with an understanding that was limited, and now you have a bigger picture and a better revealing of who God is. And suddenly, you're seeing this, and you're like, these people aren't living like that. Mm-hmm. These people aren't wanting that. What am I wanting? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think about there's because I, I I'm not a scientist here by any stretch of the imagination, but I do worry because like we've had the conversation on screens, right? And like for my girls, and one of the big things on social media, they're like, don't let your girls have social media until they're 16, and because brain development, mm-hmm. they're like they don't decipher as well like fantasy and reality, and so like around that 16 age, that the things that they still kind of believe what they see. Like they look on them and they say, oh, they have this wonderful life on social media. That's real. Right. But then at 16, you start to say, oh, maybe that's not real. And then you're that it's kind of, you're hit with reality. And then you got to ask the question, right? Like, what do you do with it? Yeah. Yeah. So what was it that kind of forced that question? Like, was there something that happened that made you say, I'm not sure? I don't know that I, I honestly don't have a pinpoint for that. Um, I remember, you know, a dumb kid. I was I, probably 14. I'd be in bed at night. And I'm like, God, I just want to drive. So <laughs> I just want to drive. Can I, you know, praying God, just get me to 16. Right. <laughs> and then at 16, you know, you know, whatever you keep going. But I think within that, as a kid, your conversations with God become different than, Hey, protect mom and dad and things mm-hmm. like that. It becomes God, this is what I want. And mm-hmm. God starts to go, well, this is who I am. Mm. Oh, yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. And you're kind of forced to reconcile those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, that's really cool, though, because I think for me, it, it was kind of a similar thing where it was there's not my faith journey doesn't have a ton of like clearly defined mm-hmm. moments. It's mm-hmm. more, you know, yeah, every now and then God acts supernaturally but we can forget that as the author of nature, most of the time he's going to communicate with us very naturally. Mm-hmm. It's this series of a million small things for sure that, that they come to a head almost unprompted, but only because we can't see the whole playbook that got us here. Yeah. Hmm. See, but I love that because yeah. I think the whole part is we so often see the transitional piece but we don't see all the pieces that lead up to that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So whatever that was, the I mean, you see the grade at the end of the semester, but you don't <laughs> see all the tests and all the study and all the things that go into it to get you there. Yeah. And all you do is you get you look at that. And I, I think that our Christian life is a lot like that. People's Absolutely. comments, conversations, a scripture that was read, mm-hmm. things that come up. God is slowly revealing himself to us in a way that we can understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and... We've had it come up a couple of times in where 
we we aren't always self-reflective. So like how many times have we stopped and looked back at our entire life and said, this is from my, my whole story. Like never, like very, like until we started doing this, I never sat back and looked back. Oh yeah. When I was a kid, did this happen to me? You know, like I didn't connect all of those dots until I started doing real deep work. But once you do and you look back, you're like, Oh yeah. What you thought was irrelevant had a, big impact not not all the time but sometimes it's just like you can see it as kind of we talk a lot about extremes and the pendulum mm-hmm. and like you kind of swing back and forth and back and forth until you come to this kind of middle spot and that's the journey right you like you go and you hit this wall and then you kind of bounce and you hit that wall and you hope that at some point you stop bouncing off the wall and you find <laughs> find yeah, what you're good at but but that's journey. that's what it is being a kid you yeah. know and so sometimes being an adult yeah that is the truth. still God's children no matter how old we get <laughs> Uh, on his timeline, we're never going to be much more than the, than the kids. That's true. Uh, so then, so you had that moment in in high school. Did that change your high school to college experience, or or were you kind of on that trajectory? It was more internalized. I than think it was external. more internalized. Okay. Uh, I mean, I did some missions trip stuff and everything else. My wife um, and I had known each other for a while. We started dating then, so we were high school sweethearts. Um, kind of worked that direction. Um, I don't think a lot changed for me between that and the next thing until I found out she was pregnant Mm. and when we're married and the baby's coming and all that stuff's happening and you're like what does this mean in life Mm. like what what have I accomplished who am I where am I going it's time to put away childish things and think about the real I mean that changed for me yeah Um, and then I did something really stupid Uh, I decided to volunteer for our uh, youth ministry like four months before my wife's due with our first baby oh yeah so I, we've talked to a couple of people who have who have framed it the exact same way you remember micah uh-huh. he, he said the same thing he was like oh they asked me to do youth ministry and then i've sucked in for five years <laughs> okay similar similar i get in i volunteer the dude i know um great guy he's actually my brother-in-law's cousin so you know everything connects he leaves after two months. He's like, Mark, I'm going, I'm moving to a different church, a different city, all this stuff. And I'm like, wait a second. So we don't have a youth pastor. There's a dude that comes in to fill in the youth pastor. And they're like, oh, we need a junior high person too. And, I, and they're like, well, you take that. And I'm, I'm the guy who says yes. I just mm-hmm. do. So I say yes. So I'm teaching junior hires. I'm 24 years old. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Only by God's <laughs> grace. I, I mean, seriously, I think that was... God must have changed what I said, changed what I did in their hearts and in their minds because I don't know how he protected them because I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. Um, and that led to multiple years of working in youth ministry where the youth pastor left. Mm-hmm. And then I had that. And so I had junior high and high school. And we ended up doing that for eight years. Yeah. And you just never know how God's going to, when you, when you say yes, God just moves you places. Mm-hmm. And I would never, I would never take that back. Yeah. And that's a really cool insight too, because it's one of those things we never more than like half know what we're saying yes to when yeah. we tell God yes. Mm-hmm. Like we think we're saying yes to, like you said, being a volunteer in the short term here, I'm going to like help out where I can. Mm-hmm. And then God's like, what you don't realize you've just done is said yes to, you are going to be heading a program. Right. To, like 
Yeah, he doesn't give you all the information on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> what my wife was thinking was, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know there's going to be someone here you're responsible for forming, right? Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I do. I, I, I know, sort of. Again, uh, an only half answered yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah for I'm sure. I'm aware of some things, but... I think there's something big there, too, is just saying yes, because... Uh, uh, I was talking to somebody else, and, and I had to reflect on my life, and most of my life I said no. Mm. Um, I Very fear-based, right? And so something would come up, and I'd be like, eh, I don't know, i got to get more information, right? And then I would uh, paralyze, you know, analysis paralysis. Right. Um, and so, like, my natural tendency would be to no instead of yes. And talking to people and hearing the people that say yes more, like, not that I regret my life, right? I'm not going to be like, oh, I hate, but I wish I had said yes more. Mm. I wish I had just gone in and not been afraid, you know, because you end the experiences you get from saying yes are everything, right? right. Like, you got to say yes to God. And if you say no, 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 then you're just going to sit there. You're going to what are you going to do? Sit on the fence forever? That's not, it's not where we're supposed to be. I also think that's how you find your purpose. That's the truth. I mean, yep. God just works that out in you. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to do it through movement. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to sit there and figure out your purpose with God. That's not how he does. Like, you have to move, and then God reveals as you move, and you discover, and it's like this process of discovery. But you don't you don't discover anything sitting there, right? Yeah. You got to the say realization yes. that there aren't missteps. Yeah. Like, even when you find out that, like, you started down a track that wasn't the one mm-hmm. that you're ultimately called to, God uses even those... Uh, what we would consider failings. He yeah. uses even those to prepare us yeah. for the thing that is going to be the ultimate yes. And even if it's just the simple like confidence that comes from knowing, oh, so that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. That's yeah. not what he's calling right. me to. It's still, we, it, I don't know, it's one of those things. We as humans, we get very, very focused on like the short-term win, mm-hmm. the short-term loss, and those results. Uh, and it's really, really good that we've got a, a general who's focused on like the, the war game. without yeah. losing sight of the battle. Yeah, yeah. For so, sure. tell me a little bit about. You said that having a kid really kind of blew your perspective up and changed changed things. Like, what was? Do you remember like the exact moment when that happened? You know, I was um, I was coming up on my twenty fifth birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was twenty four at the time, and I knew. As where this child was going to be born, I ha- I wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. I, I, not only that, I had things in my life that weren't God honoring, mm-hmm. and I started looking around and going, "What am I doing? Like, what about what am I allowing into my life?" And we were probably inconsistent at church in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we were uh, twice every six weeks for a little while there, and then it was kind of like I grew up doing this, and I I think you get complacent, and I also think you get apathetic. Oh, I know that. Yeah. I've done that. I've been there. Mm-hmm. And I've heard these readings. Yeah, right. And it, it, that's the problem because we don't know God. We just know stuff. Mm. And I wasn't experiencing uh, God at the time. Yeah. Oh, my teacher yeah. heart. That's a good one. <laughs> that's the truth. We we don't know God. We just know stuff. But yeah, no, you know we were talking recently about the like the phrase Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, cool. Uh-huh. Like I get that. Like, but do you really know what that means? Like right. you, but you've heard it ten thousand times to the point that it doesn't mean anything. And it so becomes like, a, it becomes a buzzword. Yes. Yeah, so you need something 
to kind of kick you in the butt, open your eyes and be like, oh, okay. And for me, uh, it was my kids too. Like uh, the biggest thing is that I realized that, how I said I said no, fear-based. I was like, these kids, right? It, it was seeing, seeing my kids' heartbeat for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Changed me instantly. But uh, what I saw in them was like infinite potential, right? So like unadulterated, is just pure, 100% pure potential. They right. could be the best of the best or the worst of the worst. And it was my responsibility to help determine, help them But not. that's weighty. It's huge, man. <laughs> so you're sitting there thinking, Dude. wait a second, I'm not prepared for this. I don't know how to do this. And frankly, based on what I see in culture, it's less than 50% that I got good odds here. Yeah, yeah. It, it was heavy. And one of the biggest, the, the one of the realizations that I came to is that like I want them to be to believe that whatever they want to accomplish they can like mm-hmm. if you're willing to yeah. work like you can do it and then I looked at myself and be like am I going to tell them that and then go live in fear and never pursue the thing that I for w- sure. really want and so that's kind of one of the motivating reasons for starting this up is like I have to if I say I want to be something or do something I have to do it even if I fail at it because I need them to believe that it's worth trying, mm-hmm. you know, like to not to hear me say, oh, you can be anything and then go do a job that you hate and be miserable for the rest of your life because those two things aren't consistent. Right. And if they're if you're saying that, that means you don't believe it. That means it's not real. And I couldn't I couldn't stand for my kids to have that in their brain. And so it forced me to do something. Like I couldn't sit on the yeah, fence faith anymore. Yeah, becomes action. Yeah, you. I had to. Right. Because there was little souls that were dependent on. They were going to be looking at me as. It, the, it wasn't the model. just you that were at risk anymore. Right. And like that's I think one of the purest signs that what we're doing is actually God's will because mm-hmm. just like God doesn't do anything for His sake, mm-hmm. He has no need of anything. That's so right. it's not for Him; it's for us. If we're going to be modeling that, it's going to come through the most when we realize that I'm not doing this. Because of me, I'm doing this because there are there are others who need this of me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God has given me the opportunity to participate in making Him known to other people. Yeah. For sure. That's and if big. I don't, I am unrepeatable. If I don't, no one will in the same way that I could. God right. has a million mm. other ways that He's going to reach out, but the world is still poorer for me having not done mm. it. I like that. Yeah, no, that's huge. I, I I sit there and I think there's a song back in the 80s. This is like going to date me, but whatever. It's you may be the only Jesus they ever see. Yep. And if you don't embrace that peace, and I realized I wasn't not only for my kids, but for my wife. I was kind of, I mean, no, I wasn't kind of. I was very selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, I still am. But it's it's, you know, I struggle with forward motion. A quote from a song, and I love yeah. that. I love that idea because I'm I am struggling that direction, and it's hard. Um, it's hard sometimes to walk because the world is pushing against you. But it that's why I need brothers and sisters in Christ to come yeah. around me and bring mm-hmm. me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that how did what were the things that you did? Like so, you had the realization when you mm-hmm. when you had your kid. What what were the kind of the steps? Like you had the realization. What were the like? Okay. I'm going to do this, this, and this. Like, how did you start from there? I'm a worker. Okay. So um, I, I love this phrasing, and this came from our pastor currently, but this was long before. I just didn't understand it. 
uh, work as though it all depends on you and pray as though it all depends on God. Mm-hmm. And I, so I just got into it. Um, we did, I did everything youth ministry. And so I had this view of God that I've, I've struggled with my whole life. Some, a lot of people, by the way, I know the truth before I say this. Mm-hmm. A lot of people understand that um, you can't do anything else to get God to love you more. Mm-hmm. My problem, and I can still fight this, is if I don't do enough, God will love me less. Yeah. Ooh. I understand. Yep. So I understand that, that more than... piece worked on me, and I'm like, I got to I gotta work with these kids. I've got to help these. And so I, I submerge myself into the youth ministry stuff. Um, because by example, I'm working with my kids, and I'm showing them what it is to be a Christian man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's huge because, again, for because I understand the, that conditional concept of God's love because I've uh, we've had multiple conversations of it to where it's you know like trying to earn my spot right and uh, I gotta make the team yeah gotta make the team yeah that's the truth man it's, it's like tryouts and I'm and and I'm trying you know but you burn out you know because it's, sure. it's unsustainable and again when you look at your kids you you know that that struggle is exhausting to constantly be feeling like you're not enough constantly like you're striving and constantly like God doesn't accept you like not fully right right if right. unless I'm trying hard and that I can understand all the biblical truths yeah that he does doesn't change how I feel right and it and it exhausting is the only word I can say like yeah it's hard and then again you look at you can be like I don't want my kid to feel that way to 100%. struggle like I want them to just know that no matter what they do, right? Like you can, you can go, like we were just saying a second ago, like it's not a misstep. It's not a script. Like you can, God is constantly going to be working. Um, but it doesn't take away how much he loves you. Like even if you bomb, God is still going to be there. Right. Still going to love you just like, but you have to model them for that, right? Our parents are the first model that they have. That's going to frame, they got to learn it on their own, but that's the but, first model, so, you know, Epiphany. I didn't even think about it, but that was one of the things I was trying to model mm-hmm. was that God's not, love is not conditional upon yeah. what you do or what you don't do. Right. Uh, for my kids. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to show it. Like you can't, you cannot tell somebody that. Right. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute in the brain and be like, oh yeah, cool story, bro. But they're not going to internalize that. Like they have to see it and experience it. That like some, because we've, we've talked a lot about teachers too, like in the impact that they can have And there's always somebody has that teacher that saw something in them that they didn't see before. And you, you know, and you're like that, why did that have such a big right. impact? And it's because it was just an experience that mm-hmm. they had. Nobody could be like, Hey, there's something great inside of you. That doesn't stick. But when somebody actually like does something about it and they experience it, it has a lasting impact, you know? Right. So you have to live it out for sure. That's big. Okay. And so were you working a, a job while doing youth ministry as yeah. well, or was youth ministry your job? No, no. I, I worked a full-time job probably about 50 hours a week. Okay. Um, that was part of that was part of life. I mean, so... It's, <laughs> 50 hours a week, youth ministry, and new baby. Yeah, so we had... I don't, you, you are I, a coffee I, drinker, I, I bet. I look back, and I don't even know how I, I... I honestly look back, and I don't know how... How did you find those 48-hour days? <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man. Because, you know, you got Sunday mornings... And obviously, you have to prep for Sunday mornings. Of course. Which, 
I wasn't great at. Because again, kids will know when you're winging it. For sure. They can sure. smell. As a teacher, they know when my lesson plan doesn't exist. I right? Smell blood. <laughs> oh yeah. They're waiting. Well, and I, I would probably tell you for the first couple of years, I, I probably, I mean, no, I didn't have a mentor showing sure. me. Sure. Yep. I was like, I, I've seen people do this, but. I frankly at the time didn't like talking in front of people. So for me to even say I was going to do it was like a whole different game. But you do that and see, and you're going to have to edit that out because I don't know where I'm going right now. That's all right. So you're working a full-time job. You got, so we, we got Sunday mornings. Yep. We got Wednesday nights. I started Tuesday night. Uh, basically, I wanted these kids to learn how to share their faith. Mm. But it wasn't just visitation. So we started something different. So we, we, I took them through a course, and they would celebrate, and we would have victories, and we'd go out and see these kids that had visited our group, and we'd actually go to their houses and stuff. And then Friday nights, you had activities and games. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? I, I don't know how I did it. My wife was so gracious, because I never got a complaint. She couldn't do a lot of things, but she was always on my team. And uh, I, I, those are the years where I couldn't tell you what God was doing specifically. I can just tell you what he's done in a totalitarian way. I was going to say, it's kind of one of those things where when you're looking at what God was doing in that time, it's like, it had to have been everything (laughs) because there's not a single thing I can claim I did. For sure. (laughs) Well, okay. So I went to a concert, Jars of Clay. Okay. Yep. Bought a shirt. Okay. So I'm, I'm wearing the shirt and I look at it and I'm looking at a verse and I'm like, this is dumb. How do I not know the verse that represents the band that I just saw, right? <laughs> so I, I start reading, and then 2 Corinthians 4 just comes alive for me. And then I start realizing that we are just literally the phrase and the verse and the words, jars of clay. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing glamorous about us. There's nothing that he needs us for. It's only through the excellency of the power of God that we have any value to speak on his behalf. Yeah. And it's that kind of like little tidbits where God's just laying like breadcrumbs, like, Mark, you're, you're not getting it, so here. Like, enjoy the band, but here's something bigger. Right. Yeah. So what, was music a big part of your life and a big part of what you did? No. No? Uh, I just love music. Okay. So I've always loved music. I mean, I, I as a kid, I was forced to sing and do that stuff in the church and everything, uh-huh. so I kind of avoided that. Um, I was forced to play piano, so I kind of avoided that. I uh, played trumpet for a minute then I got braces so that stopped (laughs) Um, but I loved music I've always loved music and uh, I've always looked for avenues to kind of celebrate that and engage with that yeah so my kids all did piano my kids all but they all loved it Mm. and then my kids all did singing and my kids like my um, my oldest he plays anything with strings anything with horns Mm. uh, plays drums he does all of that and I love that so I just think God has blessed me and actually moved me to him through music mm. that's been something that it's personal yeah that that's I was gonna say because I remember in so like my youth group days so like when I was helping out with youth groups and stuff I was really into um, like the Christian the local Christian concert scene right yeah. so and or like when Tooth and Nail was bringing in For bands sure. and uh it was really big for me because one of the big things that it allowed me to do was see that Christians didn't have to be a certain way, right? Right, or look a certain way, and so it helped me fit in. 
Like I, I, I could be here because like I didn't feel like an oddball. And so like I know when you're doing youth ministry, like music can be huge because it's cultural, right? Mm-hmm. And it's identity and it helps people fit in. So I didn't know if you were able to incorporate because like Jars of Clay was good, right? And so like the, the group that I rolled with, Jars of Clay was like their jam, you know? And so like the... 40 days, 40 nights, right. you know, like that was, everybody's like, oh, this song, and I was like, it's a cool song, but, you know, like, <laughs> it was okay, it was, on, it was, but it was on the softer side so, for, yeah, for, for sure. me, you know, and then, um, you wanted your skillet, I did, I wanted, I wanted a little bit more than that, and so, like original skillet, or now skillet, um, so I did, I did find Skillet on like, what was it, like Alien Nation or Alien? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's when I found them. Okay, so the one right before that with the Skillet pan, pan on the front. On the front, yeah, yep, so. A little different than that. Yeah, so what I used to do is I used to go to Berean Bookstore. Me too. And I would just look for fun CD covers, and then they used to have the little CD players with headphones, and I would yep, just sit there and sure. I would try them. And who I found was Demon Hunter. Okay. And I've loved them ever since so they are like so Project 86 and Demon Hunter would be my two favorite bands Mm. Um, but Demon Hunter probably has my favorite song ever okay what's that Uh, Not I okay and because that was my life story right like it's a song about addiction really okay Um, and how I'm not that anymore right and I'm not going back to that anymore that's awesome and it's a mixture between like it's super heavy but then there's also a melody, like there's a rhythmic section where he just kind of comes in and there's some singing. And you're like, oh man, this is good. And then he hits it hard again at the end. And I'm like, this is, this is beautiful. <laughs> and uh, so that's always, that's been my jam. So uh, tangent, total tangent. But I mean, like music is big and it, but it I think plays God such a huge role. That. But that's what, ma- that's why music matters. That's what music does. Yeah. Is like, look at that, a song from... Like how long ago did you first come across that song? You think? Oh, that rough estimate. I mean, I mean, twenty years. Yeah, at least. I think right. Demon Hunter's been like they hit and like their twenty-five a couple little bit ago. And then here we are, like twenty years later. Yeah. And the Some idea of music is mentioned, and like the excitement and the passion yeah. as you're discussing it, like, yeah. Again, yeah. like you said, it's cultural. It's like it becomes very much a part of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, that was so cool to be able to share with the kids in the youth group music that was relevant to them because yes. when I was in the church as a kid it I mean, was it's it, we had Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant and, and the whole rest of the world is doing something else and you're like yes uh, yeah this isn't really hitting it for me yeah and it was hard like I can only only imagine what it was like because I heard I, that song too yeah <laughs> <laughs> you got dang it. nice well played <laughs> but like i remember coming in and people sharing with me because now i'm seeing like the the retro memes and stuff and and stuff they're making fun of but like the power team mm-hmm. and you know all the different stuff where you're like oh man christian stuff was super cheesy like and it was really really cheesy and it it was a journey to come in to find stuff and i think christian culture is still on that journey, like allowing some different skills to come in and play and freedom. Yeah. But, uh, so a lot of progress has been made. A lot of progress. Yes. Yes. So, all right, back on, back on topic here. Sorry. Uh, so we're talking youth group. You were working, you know, 28 hours in a 24 period time. A lot. I mean, but it was, it didn't feel that way and it was cool. Uh, God blessed. Um, income kept going up. Um, ability to minister uh we're, we'd take our vacation i'd take the kids to camp like we created camp there wasn't like a 
I don't know, a camp that our church fellowship was, so mm-hmm. we created it. Um, I modeled some stuff I got from my youth pastor, started working on that. Transformative for some of the kids and just big, big decisions. It was super cool to watch and just kind of yeah. be on the, the ride with what God was doing. Um, and it kind of culminated in a missions trip to Ecuador. Oh, wow. And uh, that was kind of the end of my time in that particular version of life. Uh, and I moved on. We changed churches right after that. Um, the church we were in would, was unfortunately dying mm-hmm. and uh, tried to stay there. We ended up being the only couple probably in our 30s that was yeah. still in the church. Yeah. So we were just ministering to kids. And I'm like, as soon as we leave this youth group, where are we going to go? Yeah. Yeah. That's a sad reality for a lot of churches. Um, they, they get a good group. And then they just kind of all age together. Right. And then it just fades away. And then they're kind of gone. And it, that's a bummer. Because there's kind of a, there can be, you know, I think you mentioned the word complacency mm. earlier. And I think that's, it's one of those things where it's like, you can kind of, things are so good that you lose sight of the missionary reality of the faith. This idea we need to be constantly bringing more people in because yeah. we need to be going out and sharing what we found appreciating what we found is really key, right. but you can't get so caught up in the appreciation that you forget to share it. Yeah, you can get all cloistered. And it's exactly. just like, it's our holy huddle, and we're going to hang out together. Yep. And we love you, you love us, and this is comfortable. Yeah, it feels good, but... But. Yeah, yeah. We, we get so focused on the not being of the world that we forget we're still supposed to be in it. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that you said that I really that stuck out to me was that even though like you were going hard 50 hours a week youth ministry all of the, uh, new baby but you weren't burning out uh, no you were loving it like, but it, like but isn't that how ministry is you know like i i've not been there yet like i'm sitting here sounding like i'd be like i that sounds like it sounds awesome to be honest with you because like if i were doing that right now i would be so burned out mm-hmm. because like my day job doesn't give me energy right like right. it kind of takes energy takes away and it. then i have to do stuff like this to, to to add energy back in right right and so to hear somebody say like hey man i it's kind of like when you hear somebody talk about when they step into their calling and they know they're in their calling right mm-hmm. and they're just like firing on all cylinders you're like man that's so cool like that's right see somebody just firing on all cylinders because you're right like if you're doing god's work like he gives so that you can give mm-hmm. and if you are properly giving as he intends, he's going to keep pouring, and he, you're not going to run out when God is giving, you know? For sure. I, You've seen or been a part, maybe, you go on a missions trip, and you are sold out. And during that time, I mean, you're off the wrong—you're on the wrong schedule. You're mm-hmm. sleeping in the wrong bed. You're eating the wrong food. You're doing all these things. And when you get back, you loved that moment so much, but the, the other side of it is that— next week is so kind of discouraging Mm. because you got to feel what was 100% of God just working through you and in you and now you come back to the regular world and you don't know how to do it yeah Mm. because we in this life we can only handle those glimpses of that heavenly reality of being like completely where we're supposed to be like again because God doesn't want us getting complacent yeah this is not where we're made to be and so, like, we get those glimpses, those moments, you know, and sometimes they last for a prolonged period. Yeah. Other times it's, like, literally you've got that momentary glimpse and everything is right. And then afterwards you're like, oh. That's, Dang, yeah. That, yeah. That's not a forever thing yet? Oh. 
But I think God, so I absolutely believe that God used my job to make me better at my ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I went to my, my, I started as a management trainee. I was going to say, what do you, what did you do? So what I, were you doing? Wholesale distribution. Okay. New construction stuff, mostly plumbing, piping, valving. Okay. Um, I started working in a warehouse as a management trainee with the anticipation of moving up. And I had financial goals and, um, I mean, God just moved me to those before I even, before anything. And I just saw where God was using the classes they'd send me to. Like, so I'd be better at talking in front of people. The, the small group problem solving. So I'd be better at helping kids through situations. Uh, just these leadership things that I would be in. And I'm like, this is all about doing something in ministry, something for the Lord. And, uh, I just feel like God just continued to bless that way. That was just wow. how yeah. he was using my, my career to basically provide for my, the ministry and my yeah. family. Yeah. How So I would say, so speaking from my own experience, like it, it's hard sometimes to translate uh, your experience in the professional world mm-hmm. into ministry or into personal life. Was that... Was that an easy translation for you? Were you like, oh, this is one-to-one? Like, as you're in the moment, were you able to see the benefits that crossed? And so, like, it energized your, or motivated you to to lean into your day job? Or was it, like, hindsight you had to rear because, like, in the moment, you're like, uh, But then later on, you realize. So, I, I, I've never had a problem with work, especially because if I can move up and there's something new to accomplish and a task and it just a, honestly checking the box and moving into a new position, mm-hmm. I love that. I love the challenge. I love the change. So it was later looking backwards and going, oh, God absolutely yeah. was using those pieces to build bricks so that I could stand on them and be used in this area. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's big um, because I think in our social media celebrity world, like we think that in order to do something, we have to be the thing. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with this, you know, as I just fully admitted that my day job's not, you know, but at the same time, I've also had to admit that my day job has been a blessing right. because like it's helped get us started, right? Like it helps me hope bring people over and like, I, I like feeding people, you know, like That's that awesome. pays for that. Um, but at the same time, it also gives me a lot of freedom. And so I can do a lot of things where, so I'm not only do I have a paycheck that keeps my family stable, I have freedom to also pursue the things that I want to do. And you're like, but at the same time, because I'm not like what I see on TV, right? Where like the singer, the person who sings is a singer, right? And that's what they do right. full time all the time. Then be like, oh, well, I must be failing because of that. Mm. But, you know, I'm not willing to come out and say that I'm not called to be a full-time into anything because, like, I, I'm not willing to admit it yet. But there's there's a calling to the profession, right? Like, God can call you to work your job. 100%. And because it provides, because not everybody can be a missionary full-time. Missionaries need people to help them. I had a missionary tell me that. He flat out said, he's like, Mark, what you're doing here is important because it supports what I'm doing there. Yeah. He's like, we need people to do that. And frankly, I've heard it, the best way I've heard it expressed is everybody should wrestle with the idea of a full-time ministry, like called ministry. But that doesn't mean that's where God wants you. Yes. But you should wrestle with the idea of it because that's where that piece is where God wants you. Yeah. And you've got to give God the opportunity to tell you that, yes, indeed, I do want you to do this full-time. Yeah. And if you, like, turn a blind eye to it. But, like, yeah, it's that idea of... 
realistically, all of it is full-time ministry. Like, your entire life is ministry. Right. You know, mm. your ministry is primarily through your work being able to minister to the missionaries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by being able to provide them with what they need because the reason they're going to these places is because they can't provide it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, there's the... It's that whole thing, too, about the idea of, you know, one person sows, one person tills the field, one person sows, one person harvests, one person yeah. prepares the food. Like, no part of that is more or less important than the other. Yeah. Right. We've got to recognize, again, it's that idea of moving beyond looking at ourself and what we're doing and looking at, in those moments that God allows us to glimpse it, what is God's plan for the world and how do I participate in it? Hmm. Yeah. If, if Man, probably 15 years ago, I was in a small group with some guys. Uh, it was a one-year commitment. And one of the books we were reading was monthly we had a new book. And one of the books was about Nehemiah. Mm, and you start Nehemiah. looking at Nehemiah and you sit there and you go, we're celebrating this dude and we're looking at this book really because of 39 days. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And when you start to realize that if those 39 days don't happen, the rest of it, it's probably just a side note or a, you know, a little story yeah. inside of another book. Because he prayed, but then God decided to use it and it became something. And it's like, how, how long do we have to pray? How long do we have to continue in what God asks us to do before he shows us something bigger? Maybe our whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe our whole life is about just going and honoring him and then ultimately we get to see him and that's when faith is revealed yeah and i didn't i don't think i realized that the book of nehemiah is like 39 days because at the same time like and the importance of that but at the same time when he's up there and looking back with god and be like that was like that was a month and some change like i had to go through all of this my whole life for a month and change you know (laughs) but but was it worth it and the answer is yes, because without that month and change, without what he did in that time, here's the chain. And like, and this will be the coolest thing when you get up there, right? Because in our day job, when we're like, oh god, this, how can this be serving you? How can you know? And we're you know, poopy pants basically, right? Because I am that way a lot. But when we get up there, and he's going to show you the chain and all of the links mm-hmm. that that you were a part of, it's gonna it's gonna blow your brain up. Right? Yeah. You're just going to say, you're going to be like, holy cow. Okay, so, you know, it was just my bad attitude. You were actually doing work all the time. I just couldn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. It, God, it, God is constantly moving, and we change churches. And literally, I meet with a pastor. Um, they did visitation, so they showed up at my house, and it's, it's the pastor. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing I've ever done before or heard of. Like, and we had our okay. we had a family dinner that night, and I'm like, uh, it's not a good time. So they came back the next week, and so my pastor, who I've just visited the church, is in my living room, and we're talking, and we go through stuff, and it's literally like a month later. Um, he's like, hey, I heard you have a passion for college ministry, and I said, well, I said I'm concerned because I've watched too many kids walk away. He's like, how would you like to be involved in that? So then I start doing college ministry at the new church. So we literally took like a couple months off, and then we're right back into yeah. something. And it, that was cool because my kids were older. My wife could be more present mm-hmm. in that. So we could do that together. And, dude, from that, it's, it's men's ministry stuff. Um, 
which I 100% believe that we need to invest in our in our workplace environment and other men. Mm. Whatever we got to do because... What do you mean by that? So, I really believe that the family is broken because men fail to lead. Okay. Um, it's obviously part of... Uh, it's all got to be rooted in God, but men are feeling men don't lead well. And if men lead well, then you fix the family. If you mm-hmm. fix the family, you fix the church. If you fix the church, you fix your community. And if you fix the community, you start to fix your, your world. Yeah. And we need men that are going to stand up and be who they really are supposed to be. Um, and I just, I, so investing in men, that's kind of some of the stuff that I like to do now is yeah. be in small groups of men and leadership groups of men and work stuff finding ways to apply both yeah i like that i like that a lot actually because uh we we interviewed a pastor a while back and his big focus was boys you know and he had a lot of statistics on how boys are being left behind Mm -hmm. just astronaut like the the girls were kind of left behind for a long time and so they changed everything to help lift them up and what resulted was that we left all the boys behind and so now what we're seeing is kind of the result of having left all our boys behind and now we have a bunch of men who weren't taught right Right. and and there's uh there's a huge gap and it i agree that i think that's important and one of the big things is purpose like i there's a lot of the messages around men is giving men a purpose right because men will deal with really hard things if they have a purpose that's kind of what we're built for you know and i don't quote nietzsche often because i wouldn't call myself a fan (laughs) but at the same time as a firm believer that any truth anywhere is god's truth Mm -hmm. even nietzsche like that broken clock that's right twice a day Mm -hmm. uh he had that line uh a man a man with a sufficient why can endure almost any how yeah Mm. there's a lot of truth in that if we know what it is that like our our suffering our work our effort if we know what it's for and we believe it to be truly purposeful and worthwhile then yeah, we we can yeah. we can go through a lot of suck and have it not be a, a problem for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that quote. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I mean the biblical one is right. Without vision, mm-hmm. the people perish. Right, yes. and and so I think that's because again, I'll use my own life as an example for my day job. Probably why I have poopy pants so much around it is because it was always just money. Mm-hmm. Right, like you go to college, you get a job to make money because my parents were like, "We didn't have money. We want you to have money because money is what makes life better." Right, so it's the life stuff, but that why isn't good enough. Right, and so like I make the money, but I don't. Money is an illusion. It doesn't right? feel good, you know. Like I, I'm not. I don't. Like, do I like my house? Yes, I love having a house. I love having food. You know, don't get me wrong, but like that why isn't satisfying and so when you do the job you do the thing for the money it's not it's not enough and so you know what would it be to reframe that purpose like hey you're doing this job you get the money but the reason why you get the money is so that you can help this missionary who just impacted this family in ecuador for example right like to have someone invest in young men and reframe your work because i think part of personal opinion right men are built for work yeah and so like if you can work with purpose like the impact that you have is huge but i I don't think that we our work is framed with purpose enough 
at least not a worthwhile purpose. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, men connect in activity, not in conversation. Mm. They can connect in conversation, but activity is really what brings them together. I've joked with friends, I'm like, dude, I hate shoveling rock, but if you're, if you're shoveling rock, I'll come over and help you mm-hmm. because I want to be side by side with my brother. It's, yeah. It brings out conversations that we may not have. I was just going to say, like, that's the thing is it's not that we don't connect through conversation. It's that, like, the activity provides the room for the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you have to have been fairly close with someone for a while under normal circumstances to sit down and have, like, a real heart-to-heart with them, man-to-man. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. You know? On the other hand, like, even when I was doing goofy stuff like working in a cake decoration warehouse... Mm. Like, the conversations that happened with people who I, like, only knew through that crummy little job as we're running around shelf to shelf, the conversations that happened there were incredibly real. Mm. Why? Well, because we weren't there for the conversation. Those naturally happen in the Mm -hmm. midst of the activity. Yeah. Or, like, I just think my clearest moments, we joked about this recently, like, when I'm mowing the lawn, like, I'm solving world peace while mowing the lawn. Right. For some reason, my brain is just connecting dots so much faster when I'm doing something almost physically demanding because I only mow like once every four weeks. So it's miserable. Right. <laughs> Especially and, this time of yeah, year. Yeah. But so it's physical, physically demanding and almost monotonous. Right. Sure. So, so you're doing something repetitive and then the brain is just working. And that's how guys work. And yeah. so, like, I think that I like that you're investing in, in men that way. I think that's I think there's a big opportunity. I'm. Definitely. We just interviewed the guy who was in here before. Same thing. Working on men's health and men's yeah. purpose and mentoring and things like that. It's it's a common theme, I think, right now. Eyes I, are starting to open to it. Yeah. It needs to be. I mean, to your point, you're talking about the girls and the boys. I think the churches for a long time concentrate on the, the families with a, a, a viewpoint to helping the... Uh, the little girls feel included mm-hmm. to feel like they have purpose and that they can do these things and women are you know so we went down this road and we are humans that swing pendulums too far mm-hmm. and we end up swinging from one side to the other and we actually miss the middle again and what we've missed now is men are looking for places to plug into the church and the, the irony is at our church I see all kinds of men that may not want to teach something but they're willing to do security because they're with mm. brothers and they're next to guys and mm-hmm. they're doing something manly. Mm-hmm. But if they don't do that, they may never teach. But if they do that and we give them an opportunity, they may decide to do something else because yeah. God continues to use whatever they're surrendering yeah. for yeah. his purpose. Well, and then the, the brothers who they're working with are the ones who are inviting them to, hey, you know what? That thing you mentioned while we were doing security last Sunday, you know, I think there's a lot of people who need to hear that. Would you be up to doing? And now it's coming from like a brother who has been with you who like, they're not inviting you because they feel like you need to be invited to something. Right. They're inviting you because they have actually seen and experienced the value and they've got more credibility when they tell you this has value. Mm -hmm. But you're also adding value to them. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. So if, so you said that, or you told me, I'm not sure if you mentioned it yet, but that you're an elder at your your current church, right? So Mm -hmm. how, how did you come to that, that position? I don't know that it's position. I don't know what else to call yeah. it. But like no, that. Obviously, it's you know a, a service piece um, in our church, and it's 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 honest. It's honestly kind of weighty and a little bit um, a little bit hard. I remember uh, a few years ago when I came back on the elder team, I had been off, 
we serve three-year terms in our church, um, and you can two, do subsequent three, two, basically two three-year terms. I served my one, and I'm like, yeah, I, w- I need a break. And I came back on, and I started looking at the chairman was going to rotate off. The idea was, hey, Mark, would you be, in- be interested in this? Let's talk about this. And I remember going to them going, guys, I don't know that this is a lot of weight. Like, just being that person that, frankly, is supposed to be the, along with the pastor and the staff, but the elders are the vision and the theologically based group guiding the church. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. And I've always just been in, like, this is a team effort, so my job is to lead well, and we'll lead together. So I feel like I serve the guys. That's my kind of role, that I need to be a guy that is, uh, yeah, I have to make agendas and plans and things like that. But uh, those guys, they elected me to do that, and I'm honored by that, but I'm also humbled by it because these are these are good dudes i mean mm-hmm. we got guys on our elder team i already mentioned robbie but we got another guy who's a professor at gcu and philosophy and we mm-hmm. have just long-term people that it's just an honor to be used of god like that yeah yeah so if, if you were looking at your time in your in your career and your time in the church faith what do you think are some of the big things that have cross-pollinated essentially like things in your job that's impacted your personal faith or, or things in the church that have helped you or your practice working out your personal faith has impacted you at your job what are some of the things that you think have uh, some big lessons I, so I think the world is looking for peace and hope um, and I think they, they, they don't see that enough um, so I would say this first off be who God created you to be don't try to be somebody else mm. um, so many people want to be the I, that outgoing person I'm not that person yeah. that outgoing person that you know they're just spewing God's word and they're just able to do these things I'm the person who's going to pull somebody aside and we're going to have a conversation and we can talk more intimately and I found that people struggle with hope especially over the past few years with the pandemic and everything else mm-hmm. people struggle with hope and I had people ask me like why do you have hope and that's an opportunity right there just to share with what's going on and people want peace in this world that is chaos because, I mean, you guys just talked about it in another podcast about how the world is, it's all editorials. Mm-hmm. Everybody's mm-hmm. giving these ideas and thoughts, but they're, they're not based in anything. It's just an, it's an opinion. Yeah. And it's creating a culture of people that have angst. Mm. So when we show those things, I think that's huge. Um, so just I, like taking that in straight into the workplace too. I mean, like just... Like, it works in the secular world as well as it does in the church, right? Like, yeah. The two aren't as separate as we like to pretend yeah. they are. They as should a culture, be. I mean. Oh, yeah. They, like, they, they literally can't be because they're all, it, it's ultimately one reality mm-hmm. that God has created. Mm-hmm. And, like, the idea that, you know, you would be a Christian on Sunday and not on Monday, that would require you being two people. Yeah. And, you know, Christ said, a house divided cannot stand. So if I'm divided against myself trying to be two different people, it's, it ain't going to work. Yeah, and if I'm trying to be somebody that God didn't create me to be, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to fall short. But when I allow him to be and use me greater than who I am, mm-hmm. when he's working through me, when I'm fully surrendered, 
I say things that I wasn't prepared to say. Things come to mind, verses come to mind that I was not ready for. Yeah. And I just, you can see how God is working that way. Um, I, I really feel like my my passion at this point is to, like, servant leader. Yeah. And I think that's a big principle, too, because that's, that's something that directly translates into the corporate world. You know, and I, I have that experience where it was counterintuitive because when you go into the workplace, they, you know, the extroverts, the people who are like driven and driving and they're taking credit for everything. They're the ones that they get promoted a lot, you know, like sure. But when you like looked around, it was the person who was investing in others who would, instead of be loud, step some aside with someone and invest in that person that had the most street credibility. So there was the person who everybody knew mm. and then there was street cred kind of what I, is what I called it. Yeah. Right. And so I was a street cred person when I was there. Like I didn't, not a, every people knew me, but I, I wasn't like, I wasn't on climbing that ladder, you know, but my team would go to bat for me, right? Like me and my team, like for whenever sure. something happened and that's because servant leadership, right? Like they had bad days. We'd work, I'd work. I was just there for them. Right. Like, and I was just being me with them. I didn't hide anything, you know, but like genuinely cared about that person as a person, not just as an employee or something, but like you're a human and you matter. Right. Like, and that comes from, from God. Isn't that what Jesus did with the woman at the well? Yep. Like he literally walked into a cultural faux pas. He Mm -hmm. was not supposed to do it. He was not supposed to talk and he did. And he started engaging with her. And when she knew that he cared, he went further with the conversation. I, I really think that our job is to show that we are not just about saying things, mm-hmm. but we're about being who God wants us to be. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think that's huge. So coming into a, a wrap-up, if you were looking back, your whole story, mm. and there was like a single life lesson to sum it up that you would want somebody to take away, uh, what, what do you think your, your life lesson would be? Don't depend on yourself. Fling yourself into Jesus. Mm. Uh, let him, let him create the value that you have. It's not about you. It's about him. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm not willing to add anything to that. I think that's hard. To, that's yeah. one of those things. You say anything after that, you're just taking away. Exactly. That's, yeah. That's perfect. It's, it's true, and and just like what I was literally what I was just saying. Like it's counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. You know. When we look at the culture, the culture says it's about you and you need to go get yours. Right. Um, but when you apply that, it can it work? Yeah. But like, that's not, that's not the people you want to roll with because like mm-hmm. you're going to end up losing something because you're going to get stabbed. Like that's not a group to, that's good to roll with. Right. Yeah. That, that's right. thinking that way. And so when you apply that, it's not about you and you just live that out, man, like it it works and it's it's counterintuitive is the only word I can come to because like you don't believe it until you start doing it and you're not playing the short term right this is, it's a long play and as you invest and you pour and you God gives to you and you give and then you start to see these things come full circle and you're like oh I get it now but it's not about me and the other big thing too is that like when we say we're going to go out and get ours we're going to go out and get what we deserve what we're doing is we're cheating ourselves because if you compare what we deserve to what god wants to give us that's we're really shortchanging ourselves if we just go out to get ours yeah like continuing to lean into christ and let him give us not what we deserve but what he desires to give 
Yeah. It's not even a contest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was at a memorial service this morning. And of course, you're at a memorial service. You get pretty introspective. You start thinking about life. You start thinking about the, the hyphen between the years of birth and death. And I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, the statement was made in 150 years, nobody in this room is going to be remembered. And that's probably true. So the only thing that I need people to remember is who my God is and what I said is less important than what I do. And then just like we talked about sowing, reaping, all the different steps, if I can help to the next step so that somebody else can, Mm -hmm. I mean, in 150 years, I hope my impact, like we said, the chains in heaven, you can see it. Yeah. Amen. Mm, I love that. I love that. Mark, man, I sure appreciate you joining us for the podcast, sharing your story, man. it's good. I love hearing. It I love hearing all of these different com- these perspectives and, and views. And yeah, so I'm grateful. Thank yeah, you, thanks, sir. guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. All right. With that, everybody, we will say adieu. one of those things yeah i still get nervous though like i get i get like little like tenses and i get butterflies. bubbles i get so, absolutely so i gotta shake it out a little bit but i'll tell you what i told my wife before i left i said this is not my comfort zone no i'd rather speak in front of people than this um and she, and i said but that's how i know i probably should just do it because sometimes god directs you to do things that you're not comfortable with and that allows you to see him work in ways you haven't truth love, love that, that. I'm so I'm so glad I hit the record button already. Yep, that was a good (laughs) that was a good one. We're clipping that. (laughs) So.